What's up, everybody? This is Word of a Rebel, and today we're going to speak about the philosophy of wealth, or even maybe the psychology of wealth. We have to look at it in that way, because obviously, you know, I'm not an incredibly wealthy person. I've only just started to to begin to actually accumulate what people would call wealth, and I don't even call it wealth. I just call it like financial security. Because that's what it's more about. It's more about having that financial foundation, that stability, that centerpiece that you can like kind of stand on and then build from, right? So one of the things that I firmly believe, though, is something that I've heard from millionaires, um, people that I've known personally who are millionaires, uh, from people who've written books who um, are millionaires or were millionaires in their lifetime. Um, and there's this one tenant that keeps going through like all of their language about wealth uh, and I'm speaking about the people who started with with struggle who started from poverty and came into wealth because the majority of us we weren't born with a silver spoon we didn't just walk into it right and if you don't just walk into it and just simply inherit it how do you get there and so this is the mentality that we're going to talk about today which is number one believing that it is possible something that a lot of people in their brain and you got to be honest with yourself like this idea of wealth feels foreign it doesn't feel like it's a part of your existence it doesn't feel like something that it's attainable right if you think about winning an nba championship that's something that you know seems unfathomable for yourself that you as a person could be in the nba and and be a part of a winning team now, I do know uh, a former student of mine who probably will one day be a part of an NBA team if he chooses to. Let's just say he'll have that option because he is that good. But that's that 0.001% of the population that are capable of even attaining that, right? And so in, in that mind frame, like if you decided that you were going to like, okay, I'm going to go and start playing basketball and I'm going to like get really, really good. And my, my aim is going to be to win an NBA championship. Well, because you already know that physically you're probably not going to be capable of that, then automatically your training is going to be limited, right? Not just by your ability, but also by your mentality. Okay. Now in that situation, it's because we know physically, like most of us are too short to compete against these really tall, muscular basketball players. Um, you know, some of us are just not in shape enough, you know, whatever the, whatever the barrier is, we know this. But here's the crazy thing when it comes to wealth. There is nothing physically stopping you. But we still have that same mentality that holds us back. It's the mentality that tells us the same thing that our body tells us about our chances of winning an NBA championship. We mentally tell ourselves it's impossible. We mentally tell ourselves, especially for people of color and for women of all colors, we tell ourselves that there's certain things in the way, right? It's one of the reasons why I like, I, I, I'm glad that we're having and that we always had these conversations about oppression. But then on the other side of it, there's this negative thing that hits you as being a person of color or as being female or as being LGBTQ is when you hear about the oppression, it makes it seem bigger, not bigger. Let me not say that word more powerful than it is. Cause it's big. The oppression is big. It's big and it's widespread. 
but it makes it seem more powerful in our minds. See, there's this thing about like, we have these archetypes and we have these norms that psychologically we accept. And honestly, a lot of people without really knowing it have accepted oppression as a norm, have accepted poverty as a norm, have accepted struggle as a norm. And many people say the quote, you can only be the things that you have seen. We have to break out of that. I get the quote, right? I get the quote. We say we say that quote because we want to encourage people to show their success so that others can then follow. That we want to Im- impress upon younger generations as well what is possible by showing what we have done, being that example. But that quote is also limiting because, yes, you can actually be something you have not seen. Hello, ancestors. Think about that for a second. Do you recognize how many ancestors had to fight to become something they had never seen? So we have to break that quote out of our mind frame. So this is why I say this is the psychology of wealth. It's number one, you have to break yourself out of that mind frame of believing that you can't. Believing that you are blocked by these barriers in society. Now, are the barriers not there? Of course they're there. They're very, very real, okay? They definitely are. And I could say without a doubt, you know, and we know this, it's been proven statistically, there's research, there's anecdotes. You know, you have research and you have anecdotes, right? Research has proven it and anecdotal stories have proven it. This is very true. A white male has an easier time still today as they did 30 years ago, as they did 60 years ago, has an easier time of acquiring wealth than does any other group. And this doesn't matter if you're male or female of any other ethnic group, right? Um, And why is that? Well, if we look at, you know, the, we know about systemic, systemic oppression, right? It is definitely present. But even within the reality of systemic racism and oppression, there are still some individuals and also some groups who have broken down and through it and created and built wealth. And for one thing in particular, if we look at, um, I'm not going to say exactly what cities these groups are in, but there's certain immigrant, immigrant groups that have become very protective and very cooperative with each other. And whenever people look at them and they say, well, look at how great they're doing, um, surely they must have had an easier time. (laughs) And so the attitude is, oh, they are treated differently by the white establishment. But actually, what they did is they tiptoed around the white establishment. They found other ways of acquiring wealth. One of the things that a lot of people complain about is they get they get upset about um, the, the immigrant communities putting up businesses in um, historically black neighborhoods or predominantly black neighborhoods, whether historical or not, and asking, well, why do they have those businesses here? Well, we all know, number one, they know because people are going to spend money regardless of what neighborhood you're in. But also, to be honest, do you think that the white neighborhoods wanted those immigrant businesses in their neighborhoods? See, this is, this is part of the reason. 
So these immigrant groups that started up establishing businesses in predominantly black and brown areas, that was why. It wasn't like, oh, let's take advantage of people. They weren't trying to take advantage of anyone. They were going where opportunity was open for them. And that's the reality of it. Um, also, some of the real estate in some of these other neighborhoods, we all we, we talk about the issues of you know how gentrification raises real estate prices. Well, that's another thing. If you're if you're a, an impoverished immigrant who's coming here to you know start up a business and and help your family out, um, where are you more likely to set up shop? Are you going to set up shop where it's going to cost three times as much? just for the location, just for the real estate? No, of course not, right? So you're gonna go to the neighborhood where the real estate prices are cheaper. You're gonna go buy a building that requires you to do work on it before you can even use it, right? Think about that for a second. So whenever you approach the mind frame of it, because initially like a lot of people coming into this conversation will get upset and say, well, they're getting preferential treatment, but not understanding and looking at the whole picture. That immigrant family, when they first moved here, didn't have nothing. You understand? They had nothing. So they had to start scripping and scraping. A lot of people who um, moved here while impoverished. So there's, there's, there are immigrants who were not impoverished when they moved here. Quite a few of those as well. But if you're going to look at the more um, impoverished or lower income immigrant experience, a lot of them initially lived together in in groups so they share the expenses of one household and what does that do well that allows each person each individual to save a lot of their income and when you can save your income and you're also finding paths away from the racist system you can build wealth that that the racist system can't stop and then once you get to a certain you know point of affluence then you're good. Your foundation is set. See? So when we look at these immigrant experiences uh, in the past, that's what I want you to think about. See, every time you see somebody succeeding, don't become jealous, for sure. Don't become angry. Don't try to find out why they had it easier than you. Don't do any of that shit, okay? Ask yourself what barriers they faced and what did they do to overcome it? Because no matter who it is, even a privileged white male is going to have some kind of a barrier in place that, that he has to overcome. But when you look at other groups, they're going to have more barriers in place, right? So the question should not be anything about what makes them different. The question should be, what did they do differently? How did they get there? See, that's the mind frame of success. That instead of you getting angry, instead of you getting apathetic, instead of you using that other person's success as an excuse to claim that you can't, you have to get out of that. And when somebody has these conversations in front of you, either check them on the spot. I really hope you will. Check them on the spot. Okay, a lot of the time I have these conversations where somebody says something negative and I'm like, well, let's talk about the positive. Okay, what can we learn from this? instead of always focusing on the negative because ain't shit ever been learned from focusing on the negatives except how to mess up again that's it you focus on the negative you're gonna bury yourself in negative there's this there's this quote that goes that's going around on social media about you never really see a yellow car in the brand and style that you have until you buy one right as soon as you buy a vehicle you see it everywhere same crap with your mindset if all you thinking about is the negative that's all you ever gonna get 
Once again, psychology of success. So when you look at someone who has attained a certain level of success, what did they do to get there? And it's especially useful to look at black and brown communities and to see what did they do to get where they are, okay? Now let's look at the education paradigm because another thing that immigrant communities typically focused on was education and particular avenues of education. They most often encouraged their children and sometimes even pressured their children to go into the legal field or the medical field. And why? Well, because upon moving here, they quickly realized that it was those two industries paid the best and were the most stable. In other words, if you're in the medical field and the legal field, you're probably always going to have a job and you're probably always going to be paid well. So very simply, like you have to understand that once again, a lot of the immigrant communities where they came from, you know, that was their goal. Their goal was how do we get a, how do we get a foundation set and how do we build from there? And a lot of time that foundation started with cooperative living situations where you shared expenses and then it went to each person putting, you know, going toward getting their own business and then their children getting some sort of a professional level degree like medical related, like um, legal related. And then once getting to that point, you know, that second generation should be set at that point that that family's generational wealth should be established and I don't think we give enough credit or respect to these immigrant grandparents who are right here 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 now the ones who first moved here right man I'm talking about you have to really really learn to appreciate that struggle a lot of people have this rose-colored imagining of what it must have been like to come from poverty wherever it was they were in the world and then to come here and build wealth that is an example that I just fully respect and I really encourage more people to, to follow because it's a no excuse making path. Do they know that oppression exists? Most of them do. Most of them will have a conversation with you and say, yeah, oppression exists, but what was I going to do about it? Was I going to complain about it for the next you know, 30 years or was I going to make wealth and I can continue to complain about it and I can continue to take action? on changing it. So that's the thing. Just because you start to make that that move toward wealth doesn't mean you're abandoning the revolution or the movement or activism. Doesn't, you're not abandoning anything. In fact, you're putting yourself into a position to make even more influence, more impact. So you can continue to, to work for social change. You can continue to put pressure for social change and speak about social change while you're also growing your wealth. And more of us need to be in these positions of power and authority and stability. See, there's one one of the reasons why I advocate so heavily for financial empowerment is because of the freedom that it gives you. Because whenever you know that you are financially secure and set and stable, and when you know you got a little support system around you, you're going to move different. You're not going to go to that job in the same mindset. You're not going to operate in the same mindset. And that's why today it's all about the psychology of success. So I hope that so far you've been getting some kind of, you know, idea about what the goal is. Number one is to break out of that, of that archetype that makes you feel that success is this far off elusive thing like an NBA championship. All right. What you're trying to do is not like an NBA championship. It is reachable. It is attainable. 
How do I know? Because people just like you have attained it. More people just like you should attain it. And in fact, you personally, listening to this right now, you should attain it. And why should you attain it? Well, number one, because you're capable. That's number one. Even though you might not fully understand it yet, I want you to say it to yourself. I am capable. Because you are. Say it again. I am capable. One more time. I am capable. Now, if you say it three times, you're confirming it with yourself, right? So, first of all, the reason you should is because you are capable. The second question is a personal one. Do you want to? Now, if you want to, we can continue forward. If you don't want to, there's no reason to go forward. Because if you don't want to, you won't. Even if you believe that you're capable. If you don't want to, you will not. So how do you know if you want to? That's where step three comes in. Starting to do the work. Actually taking the steps. And of course, there are a multitude of ways of acquiring wealth. But today, I want to focus on the psychology of it. And the psychology of it is to think about that immigrant experience. To tell yourself, I will not make any excuses. I will not talk about why I can't. I will talk about why I can. And also, when I talk about a barrier or a challenge in my, in my path, I'm not going to change my language about it. Right? I'm going to call it a challenge, not a barrier. I'm going to say it's a challenge on my path, not a challenge in my way. It's very, very important. Change your language. Okay? When you talk about these things, these obstacles that you're facing, they are very simply a challenge on your path. Okay? And there's no excuse making when you go toward these challenges on your path. And one more thing that you need to say is, every time there is a challenge, I will find a way to overcome it and to grow from it. Not just overcome. I will find a way to overcome it and grow from it. One thing I can tell you from personal experience and also from the experience of watching other people move in life is whenever these challenges have arisen, even the most devastating, and it was like, man, I'm I'm flatlined. I'm like, I'm out of it. I'm out of the game. It's not going to go any further. But come up afterwards, if you had the right mentality, the come up afterwards takes you much higher than you were before. So it, it reminds me of that, um, I don't know if it was a parable or if it was an actual story of a person's life, but they talked about um, the, the person whose wealth was completely taken away, like by, it was like, it was like major, major disasters, right? Everything this person had gone and this person was devastated. And at the aftermath of it, um, every other thing and possible substance that this person could want or need came into their life and it was in the aftermath right so in that moment of great desperate despair this person had options i could either you know grovel and whine and give up or i can look at this as a reason to trust in the creator and trust that the creator knows where I am going. And this person, you know, was in despair for a little while, but then, because we all are, I think, when we when we lose, it's grief, right? When you lose something, you're gonna grieve. Um, but came out of it and was like, okay, I have no choice. I have to I have to make moves. And this person listened to the creator, took some actions, 
And the, the wealth and the opportunity that followed was more immense than what this person had in the past. And I can't remember the person's name, uh, but I do remember the story. Um, I want to say, I think it was Lot, but I'm not sure. But I think it might have been the story of Lot. But the message in that is very, very real and it's very applicable to a lot of circumstances in people's lives because, you know, we all go through those hardships and the only difference between the person who comes out of it stronger and the one who doesn't is the, the, the intent. Now, some people will say, well, if my intent is to grow and to build and to come up and have success, um, sometimes things happen that block me even further. So what if it's out of my control? Well, here's the thing. Nothing can stop you until you give up. So we don't know what Lot may have faced in this in this path. Because in the build-up, in the in the rebuilding phase, Lot might have faced quite considerable other challenges that weren't really discussed. You know, there could have been some business negotiations, there could have been some, you know, some financing opportunities, some security issues that weren't mentioned. But once your intent is placed and it's, it's steady and it's unwavering, there's nothing that's going to stop you. You're going to continue to go forward. Like I said, no excuse making. And every time these challenges come up, see, I think the misconception is, oh, it's going to be this one challenge and I'm going to get over it. No, no, no. It's not how that works. You, as you, you're going to have this challenge, you're going to start the work and something might come up that is a challenge for that work. And then you're going to have to figure out a way around that. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, don't. Just trust in the creator. Find a spiritual center. You know, you need to... I firmly believe in prayer and meditation. And obviously, you, you notice I bring in spiritual, you know, scriptures. Um, today, I brought in a scripture from the Bible. Sometimes I bring in scriptures from the Quran or Buddhist texts, right? Because these, these ancestral, this ancestral knowledge that was placed into these books is highly applicable to our lives never question that never doubt that you have to have that foundation that center because it will keep you grounded and it will give you the right perspective on what it is that you're facing see perspective is everything matter of fact that's a line in one of my favorite poems that i've ever written perspective is everything it really is i tell this to my daughter all the time this is something that i firmly believe perspective is everything because if you, if you look at a challenge and you feel overwhelmed by it, yes, it's going to overwhelm you. There is no doubt. You ain't going nowhere. But if you look at a challenge and you look at it with the right perspective, what you're going to see is, okay, I see you. I see how you operate challenge. I see what you are composed of challenge, which means I can also see how to get past you. I can see how maybe to change you challenge into a positive for me. Or I can, I can see how challenged you just simply can't stop me. Maybe I can't overcome you, but you can't stop me. See, every challenge is going to have a different response. But when you understand what that challenge is made of, and you have the firm intent, I have no doubt in my mind I'm going to get through it, then it can't stop you. That's pretty simple at the end of the day. Perspective. So today is all about the psychology of success. I haven't gone into anything else. The next episode, I'm going to go back into talking about probably credit scores, I think. I think my next episode, I really want to focus on, um, you know, various little 
tips, credit tips that people can use because one of the major resources in the United States for growing wealth is credit. Now, in the immigrant experience, a lot of time they couldn't use credit from the banks. Um, and, but once they could, they did. So don't get it twisted. Like a lot of people say, you know, well, the immigrants went cash only. Yeah, they did whenever they had to. But if you ain't got to use your money to make money, if you can use the bank's money to make money, then why wouldn't you? See what I'm saying? The immigrant communities, some of them uh, did end up using banks because it was easier. So don't get it twisted. They used cash initially while living together cooperatively. Let's let's pay attention to that for a second, okay? You talking about having like sometimes like five to ten people doing a cooperative living situation. And then once that, you know, the, the individuals in that group have acquired enough wealth, you know, cash-wise from their income, then they go out and they buy property cash only. Well, now they have the equity because that a lot of people don't realize as soon as you own something, you can start accumulating equity. And so for these for these communities that started off with cash only, that's a lot of equity because you don't owe the bank anything, right? So all that property value, you can start applying toward buying other things, investing in other things. See, that's, and that's what the next conversation is going to be about. I do already have an episode about equity, so you can definitely search on Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts. Um, look for um, Word of a Rebel and look for the word equity. I forget what the full title was. But the next few episodes are going to speak about how, you know, credit tips that will work for everybody. And also speaking about that equity conversation. And I'll try to make some notes on other ways that people have made wealth. But that is how it gets started. You know, everything that you could ever think about whenever you say, well, the immigrant communities had it easy because of this, this and this. They didn't have it easy. Don't get it twisted. The only the only immigrant community that would have had it easy would have been individuals, uh, specifically just an individual uh, that came over with wealth, or like a particular family that came over here with wealth already established. You know, so there are people like that, but a lot of the immigrant families came here very very poor. So when you see an immigrant family that moved here within the last hundred years, and you're like, wow, they're doing really well. Trust and believe. If they didn't move here with a lot of money, they had struggle. And those are the people that I believe we can all learn from. As well as others. But today, that's the, that's the example that I wanted to focus on. Because I felt like they are the, they're the most likely um, example of what it means to start from nothing. It's kind of like a pervasive example that I think everybody can relate to. Because we've all seen people who moved here within the last 100 years do well. And the question is always how and why. This is why that is exactly why um because of some of the things that i mentioned today so um if you know of a person in your life who has overcome great adversity who overcame you know poverty or limitations of any sort and came out to success to achieve goals to achieve stability you know look at them as an example that is an example to follow trust and believe they face challenge after challenge the only thing different between them and someone else is they didn't give up. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to feel positive. You are going to have despair moments. You're going to feel like that. Again, it will come back to you. The thing is, are you going to let it stop you? See, that's the difference. See, people who are not going to move forward, number one, don't want to. And number two, they stay inside of the despair. They just sit in it. They, 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 it's literally what they do. They sit in the despair. And despair is like the thickest tar, mud, 
combination you can think of is going to hold you in place. That's it. That's what despair can do for you. It can hold you in place. You are not going anywhere. But for people who only, you know, short term sit in the despair, you can get out of it more easily. And it's okay to feel that way. You know, if you've lost something, if you're grieving, totally understandable. You know, we all do that. By all means, you need to cleanse yourself out with whatever, you know, pain the pain is. You know, cry it out, you know, exercise it out, you know. Don't do anything negative. Don't substance it out, you know. Cry it out, meditate it out, pray it out, hug it out, you know. Positive ways of getting it out of your system. And accept that you're probably going to feel that way again. Maybe about the same challenge, you might feel despair about it again, depending on what it was. Or it might be a different challenge. So accept that. Allow yourself the momentary or even a couple of days, a couple of weeks despair. Just don't stay in it. Okay? That's the most important thing. Like, don't stay in it. You're going to face these challenges. They're going to come to you. Just don't stay in the despair. And reach out to a support system. That's another thing that has really gotten me through some of the hurdles that I faced um, has been the support system. You know, I was going through these hurdles and I hit my, you know, my shin bone on one of them and I fell down. And then... You look on the sidelines, and that's where your support circle is. And see, they can't run the race for you. They're not going to be able to pick you up over the hurdle necessarily, but they can encourage you, and they can give you advice. And maybe they can even help you heal the wound if you hurt yourself, right? And then they're going to encourage you to get back on that on that track and run again. So that's the kind of circle you need around you, is the people who are going to be there for you, encourage you, motivate you, and heal you. And you have to be willing to give that to those in your life as well. Because it's a circle, and whenever your circle is healthy and supportive, then that circle together as a group becomes healthier and more str- and stronger. Never, never stop understanding that. Never stop realizing that. Keep that, keep that in your mind. That is exactly what happens with a supportive circle. If, if the elements of that circle are doing it right, everybody's going to come up. As always, everyone, this is Word of a Rebel. I'm sending you all my love and encouragement. As always, I'm here for empowerment. Be sure to hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Word of a Rebel. If you're interested in getting quick access to these financial topics, you can go to wordofarebel.substack.com. Wordofarebel.substack, substack wordofarebel.substack.com you'll get lots of information about credit about real estate about stock investment lots of things related to that are available on my blog at substack if you're interested in learning more about real estate related topics specifically visit revolutionrealestate.org revolutionrealestate.org if you're interested in my creative projects visit wordofarebel.com i'll see you all soon peace